Good morning, family. Good morning. Whatever y'all are doing, keep doing it. That party was amazing. <laughs> and I really want to do a shout out. Just It was my favorite just from childhood and even till last night is the Willy Wonka crew. I loved y'all. <laughs> but I know I'm not here to judge. A musical contest, but I'm trying to avoid preaching on these readings. <laughs> I don't know what to say, honestly. Honestly. I mean, there's been councils, debates, heresies all around these exact readings trying to form a theology to encapsulate what it means to worship Christ as King, as Lord. What does it mean? What is the relationship? They have a whole nother feast, Trinity Sunday, to try to encapsulate it. You know, there is no way to understand it. <laughs> You know, it reminds me of the story of the seminarian who went to her professor and said, I really want to understand what it means to believe Christ as Lord. Help me understand. You know, and this, by the way, is the newest feast-ish, if you will, in the Episcopal Church. It was only established by the Roman Catholic Church in 1925, Pope Pius, some Episcopal churches, you know, use it and bring it in. Marion Hatchett says it's completely optional. He was one of my professors, so I go with that. <laughs> but as a young seminarian, they go to their professor, I want to understand really what this means, and the professor gives her 10 books and says, read these, and then when you finish reading it, take each book and make a paragraph out of it about the essence of it, and then take those 10 paragraphs and make 10 words. And take those ten words and come down to one word, what it means. The essence of this calling, this following, this worshiping that we do. Seminarian students stayed up for a week reading all the books, summarizing, culling it down, getting it down and down and distilling it into one word. It took almost all night the last night. She woke up early. She had to get her kids ready for school. The dog had made a mess on the carpet. She had to clean that up. She had to run because she had forgotten to get gas in the van. She went to get gas. She was stuck in traffic. She was hurried. She was running down the hall to meet her professor for the meeting, and she got in front of her professor and couldn't remember the word. Isn't that the truth? Like, I thought I had it. I thought I had a glimpse of this, and I forget. We forget what it means. What are we doing here? What does it mean? What does it mean to gather together to worship? I know I forget. I forget all the time what it means. I was in Memphis, Tennessee, um, starting, uh, helping start a community there called Thistle and Bee. And they work with bees, they employ women, they house women. It's, again, started by an Episcopal church in the Diocese of West Tennessee, Calvary United Methodist. They had three young women who were part of the community who were learning to be beekeepers on their journey of healing and wholeness. And we were throwing a tea party. And we had lavender tea and we had honey in it. And I was up there, you know, doing my preaching thing, and firing people up, trying to say, give money, without saying give money. 
the mantra at Thistle Farms is love heals. That's the closest I've gotten to my word. And one of the women that was there that was part of that community just I think six, seven months into her healing process, she had been trafficked from Memphis into Texas in a trunk. And she had been there about 18 months, and she was just traumatized. She was, you know, all of those things, the slow, slow journey back to healing. And after we finished the whole show, she comes up and she said, can I give you a hug? And I said, sure. And as I hugged her, she whispered in my ear, tell me again what love means. And I couldn't think of an answer. It means everything. It means so much, and it's hard to put it into words. And I asked her if I could write her. And so I wrote her this long letter about the ephemeral and the temporal and the eternal nature of love, about how love is our greatest hope, love is the only thing that doesn't die, love is this commitment. I told the story of the little prince, of how he went out every day to water the rose and all of those things. And then she wrote me back and said she figured out for her love was music, that she remembered she used to play the cello, in junior high school and up until she dropped out of school when she was in high school and I was like oh my god someone get this child a cello <laughs> get this child a cello whatever the language is however you hear it go get it so we can remember who we are and whose we are who it is we sh worship and how we worship we are like Pilate. We are. We stand there before our Lord and we like, who are you? Who sent you? Why are you here? What have you done? I don't understand sometimes. It doesn't matter if there's power or wealth or whatever it is. I don't understand sometimes. And Jesus in this gospel gives me some of the best news that I think he could ever preach. Listen to my voice. When you get lost and you can't remember, wherever you are, listen to my voice. It's in the dream of revelation. It's in the vision of Daniel. It's out on that lake at Canuga. So many times... We look up in the sky and we see clouds, but every now and then we look up at the sky and we see a wheel in a wheel. And we remember the voice and we think, oh my God, I know the word. I remember. I remember where I came from and I remember where I'm headed. And I am blessed and bathed in the word of God. I pray you take a word from this place and from this weekend as you have gathered and danced and walked and laughed and ate and dreamed. Take that word and nurture it because you may need it someday. Amen.